so we watch Survivor on Wednesdays in CBS. That's on CBS. They have their like news roll right before that. And it's like the first time I've watched the news in years. And it's just literally all depressing, terrible news. It was so bad. Like it was, oh, there's this tragedy happening. There's tornadoes in the Midwest. There's uh, the fighting in Israel and Palestine. I'm like, no wonder everyone just is like, the world is fucking ending. This is terrible. Welcome to the Gates Foundation podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is terrible and we're here to fix it. Just kidding. This is poison for profit. Uh, And we are not in any way affiliated with the Gates Foundation. Oh, we're not supposed to tell them about the checks we've been getting, Zach? We are, however, talking about an article from Al Jazeera. An opinion. Well, okay, let me me preface. It's an opinion uh, piece, Um, which, you know, you can take that how you will. I don't consider it real journalism, Um, but it is... You know, in in Al Jazeera, a major outlet, um, and it's coming from the director of the CGIAR Climate Impact Area Platform. CG CGIAR, Nick, you ever heard of them? Cigar. Cigar, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all I got. That's, I'm sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> no, they, I haven't I, heard of them. They apparently only go by that acronym now, formally known as the Consultative Group for International Agricultural Research. But now they're just cigar. (laughs) (laughs) And what they're going to be talking about in this article, or what they do talk about in this article, is basically how climate finance, in uh, this person's opinion, needs to pivot focus to agriculture in uh, developing countries essentially so this is coming from like i said the director of that group's climate impact area platform her name is aditi mukherjee does that sound right (laughs) i'm not even gonna try so you did about as good as (laughs) so this group is funded by the likes of the gates foundation of Mm. course syngenta another great company yep the world bank uh the the OPEC Fund for International Development, which I found uh, interesting. <laughs> the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries. Yeah. Uh, they so they fund you know I guess apparently uh, agricultural what? green revolutions in yeah in Africa and also foreign aid programs for fifty six countries, including U.S. AID. Who is involved in things like uh, funding subversion, cultural subversion tactics in places like Cuba? That's who. That's who's basically. This is the opinion of. Um, yeah, so it's focused on climate finance, like I said. Which, of course, any kind of finance, whether it's climate or real estate, whatever, um, mergers and acquisitions, it's all about return on investment, right? So it, this is all a way to basically make money off of innovation to quote unquote act on climate change. Uh, And it is very much focused on innovation. Syngenta, of course, uh, develops these technologies, patents them, um, 
and sends them to these countries to uh, get those smallholder farmers to use, get them under contracts um, to control food systems abroad. And uh, the Gates Foundation has invested, unsurprisingly, over $3 million in Syngenta uh, in 2021. Uh, the reason uh, to promote 10,000 agriculture entrepreneurs in Africa. Uh, focus of these innovations, they claim, is adaptation, uh, sustainability, uh, mitigation to minimize environmental impacts, and to reduce inequality, which <laughs> does not really usually how it plays out. Because, you know, just generally speaking about agriculture or innovation and and I guess especially gene editing, gene edited crops, mm-hmm. um, really mostly food staple crops, rice, corn, and wheat that they they often genetically modify to be uh, drought resistant. I, I guess golden gold was it golden rice was developed to um, have more vitamin A to prevent children from going blind in in Asia, which that really never came to fruition, but they spent a ton of money to develop something like that and and send it there. But but yeah, it's really to promote that dependency on staple crops uh, instead of having these farmers grow, you know, diverse assortment of crops where that would be the most resilient food system, right, is to have plant a bunch of things. Then, you know, a lot of different things can grow in different conditions so you have some sort of of yield on something um, that's just ba- the basics of regenerative agriculture with them pushing this dependence on these gmo crops and getting them signed into these deals basically where they're not able to fend for themselves they're completely relying on these corporations for seeds for what crop they're going to be doing um it's just what puts these farmers in a very terrible situation. As we've talked about in our other GMO episodes, this this doesn't work. This isn't what these countries need, and I think it's not what a lot of them even really want. Uh, like Zach said, they do, outside of the U.S., a lot of regenerative agriculture, which truthfully is probably how agriculture used to be done more so, not thousands and thousands of acres of corn and thousands and thousands of acres of green beans they would plant very small for themselves their family or maybe you know close family members multiple different crops and it would be more of an ecosystem rather than a monoculture of just one crop which that is what leads to a lot of these problems that farmers run into with pests and then that pest comes and wipes the whole field out. So, yeah, this is just, I don't know, this has Bill Gates stamped all over it. He's really just itching to get his... He talks his... about it. Like, this is, this is kind of what he's devoted himself to here recently. There is a section in here. I will give credit to to the, the person who wrote it. I think, I think, you know, we talk a lot about certain people, leaders of organizations, academics, how they talk about this kind of stuff, um, whether they're 
really sincere about it. I think, you know, this person, I think a lot of these people feel like this is the right thing to do. Um, but I mean, it's just, it's misguided. And I think it, it's, in the end, it all does to serve the, you know, control over these food systems, taking the control from people who live there, people who are growing the food um, and the communities, you know, that, that need the food that are suffering because, because basically all these farmers are now urged to grow these commodity crops and sell them uh, as, a, as an effort to climb out of poverty rather than to feed people. Right. These are these are very agrarian places. There's not like industry. Um, it's not like a place that is really built on a uh, goods and services commodities. A right? capitalistic it, society. It's they're more right. of a. I don't know. It's a lot older type of society. I would say. Yeah, it's more about. Providing. Providing. Yeah. You provide for yourself, your family. If you have food on your plate that day, you're good. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I wanted to jump in with what you were saying about how they're being pushed to grow these commodity crops instead. uh, Stuff they're not even eating or eating very little of. I've seen other articles that mention this and they're saying that those farmers that are doing that they're not even making that much more money. It's not pulling them out of poverty and they're still starving while they're trying to do this and their families right. are starving. Trying, like you said, they, they're probably being promised, hey, this will get you about out of poverty. This will get you provided for the whole year. All you have to do is grow X or, I don't know, avocados. <laughs> and then yeah. your family will be taken care of. But then avocados don't turn out and then all they have is avocados they didn't just have the food that they needed yeah yeah and we talked to i've talked about it a little bit in my last uh ghost riders episode about um how all these kind of green revolution tactics in africa have really not at all served the purpose of improving food security and it's coming from reports uh that are paid for by Agra's own donors, the mm. uh, Association for Green Revolution in Africa is the the name of the organization. But like even reports funded by those donors are coming out and saying it's not working, <laughs> essentially, or not working for the stated goal of mm-hmm. um, of of what you know the Gates Foundation essentially is saying. Which really has to get a person thinking. Like, what is... Because they're not going to just keep doing it if your stated goal is not being accomplished. Once you... I mean, I would. I would change my methods. I would change my Something tactics. Something would... Yeah, absolutely change. Uh, but so why? It, it really makes you question, why are they doing this? Uh, and my... It's hard to think of anything but money. They've got to be, be making money on this somehow or assume that they're going to be making money on this in the future. Uh, and I think the big kind of red flag of that is that OPEC is involved. Uh, that is crazy to me. Uh, we all know big oil. <laughs> I mean, oil companies in general. It is It is a bit puzzling, right? Yeah. Oh, obviously, I, I, 
you know, there's North, uh, countries in North Africa that are maybe OPEC member nations. But yeah, it's like, why would the organization for just like petroleum exporting countries have any be care. involved yeah. in this? Because a lot of this is happening in, in like Kenya, sub-Saharan Africa, where where this is kind of being really pushed. Because Bill Gates has been tra- doing quite a bit of traveling to Africa or to sorry to Kenya specifically to you know his um, fact finding missions. I think is is how he's kind of presenting it. Not just any excuse to use the private jet, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which you know he he makes up for with his his um his <laughs> fake uh, carbon carbon sequestration yep. uh, business. But yeah, I like. I just wanted to go back to to what I was saying about um, kind of the the motive of some of these the people talking about this and stuff. Because I will, you know, I'll give you know the slightest bit of credit where I, I feel it's due is that it does. This article does mention um, needing policies to include stakeholders, uh, farmers, things like that. The only caveat that I would include in that is that, like, how can we know that it's uh, honest engagement? You know what I mean? Yeah, because how are you going to make sure that, I mean, these farmers that don't even probably know about the meeting or the policy change, do they might not even be able to attend or get their words actually heard? Or, or even fully understand kind of the the implication of what it means to bring these GMO seeds into uh, not just you know their country mm-hmm. but to their farms because obviously you know you can you can buy the seeds and and plant them and all that and then there's the added impact of uh, royalties that have to be paid because of cross pollination the people who go there obviously to do this present themselves as you know the experts having all the answers um and then often you know it happens where it gets there like it happened in in india these farmers enter just these these debt traps because they have to buy these seeds year in and year out and really are forced to and can't make any any changes so i mean just just having Having an honest conversation and kind of you know being transparent, I think with with the rest of the world as they're doing it, also. Yeah, uh, would go a long way. Yeah, it really would. I think the other thing too that would also really hurt those farmers is that it might not even be you that buys it; it might be your neighbor, and then that those GMOs. It's been shown that they move; they they go into the neighboring fields so even if you do understand and you too take hey i don't want these i don't want to get into that vicious cycle as we've seen like zach was mentioning in india where they're just trapped uh your neighbor might get you into it by (laughs) by accident so yeah uh, and that's part of i mean i don't want this episode to go too long (laughs) the uh the dispute with mexico um banning I think now it's just uh, white corn mm-hmm. for human consumption, but but the whole reasoning, or I guess a good part of the reasoning behind that was to protect their native breeds of corn. So, 
I mean, yeah, the the possibility is is there for any country who decides to import these seeds. But yeah, I mean, I guess the the final thought, which I I did share on Twitter already, was <laughs> that when when they talk about climate finance, focusing on innovations like this, uh, innovation really hasn't ever adequately um, addressed these kinds of issues, whether it be you know climate issues or food security issues. Um, so I mean, it's like. Why keep pushing? I mean, we know why because of the money, right? But it's like, yeah. why, why allow this? I guess people who could be wise to this by now, it's never worked. Uh, I don't. I, in my opinion, I don't see it ever working. It needs to to go back to like ecological function, right? And and regenerative agriculture is really the only thing that I can think of where processes like that even has the potential to address to to address every, everything from you know climate change to food security to biodiversity loss would be like the the big one right because um, monocrop food systems just like decimate mm-hmm. biodiversity and pollinators and basically any any species definitely uh, and I know you wanted to keep this episode down but you got me thinking <laughs> with what you were saying about this is under the guise of innovation, but what this really is, it's kind of what we just talked about in our recent episode with uh, East Palestine. This is uh, their way of cutting corners in the long run. Uh, They're touted as these drought resistant, pest resistant, uh, all these, you know, ways you can save money. But in the long run, it's really hurting you. It's hurting your your profits in the long run. It's hurting your family. I feel like we have very little innovation nowadays and it's all how can we do less with more uh it's really really i don't know bizarre (laughs) yeah i think the the term innovation has kind of been soiled maybe yeah i would say Uh, because it because now it, it is all about kind of these this new technology that mm-hmm. comes out is very exclusive. Um, I feel like that's how innovation is thought of. It's like this next big idea where you can only get it here, only mm-hmm. get it from Syngenta or, or whatever, instead of, you know, innovation being something that is basically just out of the conventional thought process. Right. Which at this point would, would literally be regenerative agriculture <laughs> uh, and not using, you know, synthetic inputs and things like that. Yeah, uh, very uh, interesting episode. Very thought-provoking, I want to say. Got us going a little bit long here, so sorry about that. But hopefully you also all thought it was very interesting in in this micro-sode. This has been Poison for Profit. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Check us out on all of our socials in the show notes, as always. And anything else from you, Zach? Talk to you next time. Talk to you next time.